0: You're listening to Ask Dr. E, where Dr. Michael Easley answers your biblical and theological questions in 10 minutes or less, or sometimes more like this episode. Here's today's question.
1: Hey, Dr. E, this is Eric, and I'm just calling in uh, because I'm stuck in Leviticus, the end of chapter 10 into chapter 11. I spent 10 minutes just trying to figure out what my takeaway should be, where Aaron Basically, challenges what Moses was saying about an offering and verse 19. Behold, this very day they presented their sin offering, their burnt offering before the Lord, and things like these happened to me. If I'd eaten a sin offering today, it would have been good in the sight of the Lord. Verse 20, when Moses heard that, it seemed good in his sight. And I, I just don't even know what my takeaway is. And then it goes into chapter 11 with the different animals that are unclean. Um, I would just love to know in the context back then, because a pig and things that we eat now, uh, what the historical context is. I'm trying to go through Leviticus, I understand that it's important to see the severity of what Israelites had to deal with, and how I don't have to be at that same ruling today with the new covenant of Christ, but just, yeah specifically the end of chapter 10 in Leviticus. I'm just struggling with, so would love some in context about that. Thank you.
0: And I've just got to interject. What I love about this is Eric called us. It wasn't even 5 a.m. in the morning, Dad. I mean, you know this guy has gotten <laughs> He's studying. Up. He's studying, and he's trying to grapple with the word, and I, I love lo-
2: that. And I love that he was stuck in Leviticus. <laughs> I think most of us feel that way. Oh, I love it, Eric. Um, number one, I, I can remember... Hannah reading Le- uh, Leviticus so many years just being like, okay, Lord, I'm just going to forgive me. I'm not going to read through my Bible right now. I'm going to skip. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I was introduced to this man named Dr. Alan Ross back when I was in seminary. Dr. Ross has rocked my world and continues to, but he wrote a commentary, which I'm holding in my hand, called Holiness to the Lord, huh. a guide to the exposition of the book Leviticus. Think about somebody actually preaching Leviticus today in this economy. Anyway. They um, <laughs> would lose church members it, it, so Well, fast. they'd certainly be scratching their head. <laughs> However, what Eric is asking is so significant. Let's look at Ross's title again, Holiness to the Lord. Uh, if I could give you a little admonition to all of us, God is holy. We don't mess with him. You only approach him a certain way. And the book of Leviticus laid out the Levitical Aaron was the first priest. The tribe of Levi then are men who minister to the temple and tabernacle complex first that was the portable worship center in the in the in the wilderness and then later, of course, when they build the temple complex, the sons of the Levitical priest are the only ones who can uh, take care of it now let's talk specifically sacrifices, water, wood cleaning up the debris of, uh, I don't want to gross people out, but if they've ever gone deer hunting and you field dress an animal, think about uh, field dressing all these lambs, uh, sheep, goats, bulls, a continual process of offering sacrifice. Um, Our friend Bob Welch talked about it smelled like a big barbecue. He probably (laughs) wasn't wasn't off. That's probably what it was like, but they're burning them completely. Uh Uh-huh. So when it starts getting burned, it's not necessarily a pleasing aroma to us, but the whole depiction of a sacrifice was in our place, on our behalf, instead of our guilt, our sin, something else had to die. Mm -hmm. And blood was life. So you're killing the animal, draining the life out of it, separating the uh, disgusting parts, let's just say that, and then offering the animal and its meat primarily as a burnt offering. Some of that then went to feed the, the Levites for them for, to, uh, for food. Now, all that said, Leviticus is the is the prescription and description of how you do these offerings, and the meticulous nature of each one of them was: uh, you are approaching a holy God, and He will strike you dead if you do this wrong. Hmm. So, there's a sobriety we need to have now. In the passage that you refer to, there's a number of things going on um, His sons have been have been struck dead because they were fooling around they were they were making some bad choices, and we won't go into that too deeply i'm going to read from Dr. Ross because he's going to say this more succinctly than I can say. Um, part of the message concerns the judgment of God and how it should be accepted and presented to a congregation. It requires a clear public acknowledgement to the justice of God. People who witness such events must come away with a proper understanding and acceptance of the holy nature of God. Instructions for the priesthood provided a theology of ministry in the story. Ministers must ensure they can distinguish between the holy and unholy, the clean and the unclean, as they teach the decrees of the Lord now Aaron's particular with you know his reservation would be they didn't do this right, they mm-hmm. didn't follow the way God intended. How in the world can I sort of reset the clock and get this sacrificial system back on the way it was not not to mention these are my family, yeah, so I think that's where you would see the compassion of God in the work of Moses and yet preserving. You approach this God the way he said so, this is serious business when Nadab and and Abinah are destroyed because they didn't do it.
0: Yeah. Back to Eric's question, what's his takeaway? What's our takeaway from this?
2: Well, and again, I'm going to have to appeal to my professor, Dr. Ross, who who says, you know, in the New Testament, our sanctification as leaders, particularly here, uh, calls for us to conduct ourselves in a proper light. And so when we do things wrong, we need to acknowledge that and approach God the right way. Um, he would allude to uh, holy and unholy. For example, let's think about the Lord's table. Uh, when you come to the Lord's table, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the minister is to be a person of self-control. Uh, they are exercised discernment. Uh, we understand lip matters of a conscience. Um, we talk a lot today about drinking. Well, goodness, is it a sin to drink or not to drink? And that would be also a good discussion to say, is there a time to reset those arguments and say, okay, I'm approaching a holy God. This isn't just about liberty. Mm -hmm. We're dealing with a holy God. So as you plow through the rest of Leviticus, I cheer you on, Eric. uh, Look for holiness to the Lord. Mm -hmm. This is a serious matter. It's a fearful and awesome thing to approach God. Now, praise God. Christ fulfilled all that. yeah. So we don't live in the same fear and terror that uh, the Aaronic priesthood would have. You know, tie a bell around his his, uh, his garment, yeah. a rope around his leg yeah. when he goes in, lest he has sin in his heart. And he struck dead. Um, you know, Christ did that for us. Yeah. So um, we, we can become too colloquial with our God. And I think one of the lessons is uh, this is still who he is. Mm-hmm. Christ is the high priest who made the way. So we don't live in that fear.
0: Praise God. Amen. Okay, and that commentary was Holiness to the Lord by Dr. Alan P. Ross, and I'll make sure that's linked in our show notes if this, anyone this is This is heady stuff. Interested. And
2: just as a sidebar, Eric, and to others, um, one of the things I I do each year is I take on a book of the Bible that I'm going to study for, let's say, a month. I spent almost three years in Leviticus. And, uh, boy, did I learn things uh, just from Bible study methodology and, of course, by the great aid of this commentary, it's not an easy book. It's a little bit more on a graduate level. But um, I encourage people, you know, if you get stuck in a book or it bores you, uh, just plow through it for a month or two months or three months and see what exposure to that over and over and over will start. You'll start to see things you've missed. And it's like the lights go on. You know, you really learn a lot. Okay,
0: Dad. So this next question was actually a ride in from Jared. He said, Um, Okay, I've had a couple people with this view, somewhat influenced by C.S. Lewis, that after death, they believe that God may give the chance for other religions to come to faith in Christ, similar to Old Testament believers being preached to. Would love to hear your thoughts on this view.
2: Great question, Jared. And we've got a host of issues, again, like a lot of these questions where Christians have different opinions. Um, If we go back to open theism, the idea of openness, a second chance theology would be a simple way of articulating it. The idea that if God is loving and if they never had a chance to hear and wouldn't he if, you know, and that appeals to our horizontal view of Christianity. But in Hebrews 9, let me read this to you. And inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. So Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who who eagerly await him. You know, Hannah, when I was, we were flying back, your mom and I, in 1990 from a a 10th year anniversary trip to Germany and Austria that your grandfather uh, kindly gave your mom and me, and the plane was having trouble, and it was dumping (laughs) like 10 hours of fuel over the ocean and turning around real slowly, and they were announcing it in German, and in Spanish, oh and everybody's freaking out. And Of course, English is the last language because right. we're also rants. And they announced that we're, and she's clenching the thing. We're going to die. And I quoted to her, honey, uh, it's appointed for man to die once. And after this <laughs> comes judgment. And she goes, you're not helping. <laughs> uh, but seriously, uh, the scripture is clear. We have all of life to respond to this offer of salvation. If we had a second or third or fourth chance or post-purgatory chance, as the Catholics believe, then at the end of the day, what difference does it make? Just live like you want to live, because when you die, God's going to give you, you know, all these different options. Oh, I'll give you a do-over. Oh, it's no big deal. Inasmuch as it is appointed for man to die once and after this judgment. And it just seems very clear that there are no options. Lewis was was a great author, a great writer, uh, touched a lot of important issues, especially the mindset of the 1950s, but he was not necessarily an extraordinary theologian. And so in his his attempt to make the Bible relatable, understandable, especially to children and young adults, he exceeded, uh, he didn't hold to inerrancy. He didn't hold to a number of doctrines that, that I would hold to tenaciously. And uh, if if he truly believed there was an opportunity after death, I don't know. But there are many who hold that view. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've heard people say, God doesn't really know what we're doing in this openness theology. And so because of that leading to our death, he doesn't know. So after we die, we, oh, there really is death. There really is heaven or hell. I guess I better choose now.
0: What does that mean? God doesn't know what we're doing.
2: Well, part of openness theology, and, and there are better theologians than me to speak to this, but my understanding of this is that we're given sort of a football field of opportunity. And and God wants us to get to the other end zone, mm-hmm. but he doesn't know the plays and the, how we're, we're going to get, get there. there. And some of that lends into different tentacles of, you know, when, when you die, you have this other opportunity because God doesn't know or predicate it. Um, But again, Hebrews 9.27 is hard for me to get around.
0: Okay, but what about the person who literally never hears the name of Jesus their entire life?
2: Um, A number of passages, uh, what's cumbersomely called the ontological argument in Romans 1 and 2, that God has revealed himself in general revelation, Mm -hmm. specific revelation being Christ His word, the Bible, Mm -hmm. general being the stars in the heavens, Uh the creation. Um, I am one of those crazy people that believes uh, intelligence comes from intelligence. Sure. Intelligence can't come from non-intelligence. You could run a thousand tornadoes through a thousand junkyards for a thousand years and you would never produce a 747. Yeah. A million monkeys and a million typewriters for a million years. They're never going to write. Beethoven piece. That's right. Okay. So intelligence begats intelligence. So general revelation being you look at the stars in the sky, you look in in nature, the course of affairs, there's got to be intelligence behind this. It didn't just happen. So that's an oversimplified view of the ontological argument. Creation, uh, Psalm 19, the skies in the scripture, the skies declare the glory of God, but the scripture reveals the truth of God. So we need both. To me, the idea is that God would never, quote, relegate someone to hell for what they never had an opportunity mm-hmm. to believe.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you think about small children?
2: I have a, a, perhaps an unusual view of anyone who is uh, unable to, disabled people, uh-huh. mentally disabled, children who die, stillborns, uh, sudden infant death syndromes, his um God in his great sovereign mercy and love they were elect. Mm. And I don't I can't point to chapter and verse other than what David says when uh his son dies, think about his son, mm. his son's born illegitimately to Bathsheba
0: because of his sin.
2: Because of his sin and the child dies and David's prostrate mm. praying for God to deliver him won't eat won't drink afterwards and then he makes that remarkable comment he cannot come to me but i will go to him mm-hmm. david had faith that that little boy was in heaven and so mm-hmm. you know we have a god of grace and a God a mercy yeah and so i choose to fall on that on those who let's put it in human terms don't have the ability as we measure it to put their trust in christ sure Mentally disabled, an anencephalic child, a trisomy eighteen baby, fill in the blank. Yeah. Um. The I just think God, because they're made in the image of God, He yeah. would not relegate them to hell. Yeah. Because they didn't have quote opportunity to believe. Yeah. Um. And again, we could pick that apart endlessly. Horizontal lens, heavenly lens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have to hold it's those intentions.
0: If you've got a question for Ask Dr. E, call us or text us at 615-281-9694 or you can email us at question at michaelincontext.com. We would love to hear from you. Ask Dr. E is a production of Michael Easley in Context. The music for this show is composed by Jason Germain and you can find more biblical resources
2: at michaelincontext.com.